TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome in, everybody, to hour number two of Sports Daily. It's Albrock and Kester, Max Power producing, and we are joined now by our buddy Tim Fitzgerald, gopowercat.com, at Life of Fitz on social media. Fitz, it's a game day, a little different for you, I know, but still one to be excited about. How are you this morning? I'm good. To be honest, I'm so focused on it being game day, I didn't know who was calling me at 10 o'clock on game day. But it's not regular game day, it's Thursday. I got an appointment with you guys. Yeah, and a good appointment. Look, I don't know where your head's at on this game. I I think I don't know what to expect out of the outcome. NC State is missing a bunch of players just like K-State is missing a bunch of players. The obvious spotlight will be on Avery Johnson. I have kind of started to think that Connor Riley may be the more important spotlight because he's sort of coaching for a job here. Like, when we talk about expectations for a Pop-Tarts Bowl— how, how do you even set them? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of wild how much the transfer portal um, and, you know, uh, more guys going, sitting out for the draft. I've changed the bowl picture. I was commenting on an NC State podcast yesterday. I have no idea how big it sets the odds for these things. I mean, how do you wrap your mind around the changes and how they'll actually impact the team? And, you know, we saw it last night with the uh, the Holiday Bowl in which USC, uh, you know, just absolutely destroyed, uh, you know, their opponent with backup quarterback. Nobody expected to play that well. So it's just hard to project. Um, but I think in light of how the season ended with that miserable performance in the snow against Iowa State, uh, fans are excited to have one more and one more with the youth movement underway for Kansas State football. We knew it was coming next year, but this is like a bonus preview of all that. Yeah, how important, fits is continuity in your mind? The continuity from the success that the, the team that we were used to watching all season overall had this year 
versus what the future is. And I know that they don't have Colin Klein, obviously, anymore. But Chris Kleiman is still the head coach. And even with the youth movement, there's a, a certain way that he likes to do things. So how important do you think it is for them to show that there is that continuity between what they did this year and then what it is going to look like in the future? You know, that's an important part of Chris Kleiman's program is uh, the old guys handed down, you know, this this kind of thought to the young guys. And I think that's been done. I, I know this. Um, anyone that watched every player got to know him in the Wichita area. Um, he's a he's a one of a kind. And I don't mean that as a player. I mean as a person. This kid is wildly mature beyond his years. He's a calm um thought process type of guy um, and I think uh, that has reflected well in the locker room and I think maybe the most remarkable thing to come out of this whole bolt process is we've got a true freshman at Kansas State who's emerged as a as a leader of the team going into a bowl game now I don't know what you guys are like as true freshmen in college um, but I was I was drunk too much to lead anyone to anywhere other than Aggieville so uh, I'm just really impressed at how Avery Johnson's handled this and seems to be transitioning right into keeping everything going at Kansas State. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Fitz. I, he's, and it's not just like the pressure of now being the starter. Or like all the attention that has been around him there since he, since he was even in the running. Like it's been – it's been all about Avery Johnson in Manhattan. What are we looking at? You know, probably about two years now since he, you know, ultimately made the decision to watching everything he did in his final year of high school to all the elite 11 quarterback camps to building even more buzz to, you know, getting there as a freshman, people wanting him to be the starter, him reannouncing he's going to be there despite calling like all of this. It's not just like something that has now sprung on him as he's about to officially take the reins. It's been going on for two years with this kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, the, how the process plays out. Um, and you know, the, the presence of Avery Johnson in that locker room was apparent from early on. Uh, and I just want to point out that, the team and the coaches believe in this guy so much. Uh, a fifth-year senior quarterback with one more year of eligibility left. And, you know, he's looking at major programs or possibly the NFL as his choice, but he knew he wasn't going to be the starter in Manhattan next season. Everyone knew that um, because the talent is undeniable and you need to get to that talent and start uh, developing it to its you know, furthest extent as soon as possible. And I think Chris Kleiman now realizes that process should have started this year um, and playing him more in those late games because I think they mismanaged his eligibility horribly. But, um, you know, I I don't know. You can't unwind the clock. But, boy, I don't blame K-Stairs for being frustrated how Colin Klein managed uh, this young man's season because uh, I, I think he could have helped the team at some points of this season. What do the skill position players look like around Avery for today? I mean, I know that we know Treshawn Ward is out of the program. Ben Sennett is going to the draft, all of that. Um, so what do you expect as far as the tools that Johnson will have to work with today? Um, well, first thing, let's say that he's got the veteran offensive line in front of him. So 
<clears throat> that would be a bigger concern if those guys had left, to be really blunt, because uh, I don't think they're ready along the line to play a bowl game. Now, the skill positions, I do think they're ready. We'll see a whole bunch of DJ Giddens, probably more than usual, but they'll mix some Joe Jackson in there, who's an electric true freshman. Um, we've already seen Jace Brown at receiver and the impact he had, uh, but look for Trey Spivey, another true freshman, to step up there. You got Garrett Oakley at tight end to go with Swanson, but I think Oakley is, is seen as the Ben Sennett successor in terms of being the playmaking tight end, and we saw that unveil itself later in the season. Um, so in terms of the skill positions, they're going to be young. Will they make some mistakes? Yeah, but uh, guys, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, Avery Johnson throw into the guys he probably threw a lot to in practice, including Keegan Johnson while he was, you know, trying to work his way up back up through – uh, being injured this season into the regular rotation. So uh, they're young at receiver, but, boy, they're they're going to be more dynamic, I think, in this game than they have in most of the season. You'll know this better than us, Fitz. Uh, GoPowerCat.com publisher at Life of Fitz on social media. So Avery got all the attention of the local guys, but, you know, it was sort of a class of local guys for us. Wesley Fair, Will yeah. Ancio, a part of that class. Any expectations for those two other locals here from the Wichita area tonight? Uh, you know, I, I think Wesley, I'm not sure on Will Ancio, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I haven't really heard him mentioned at this point, which doesn't mean anything. It might just mean he's a little bit um, further behind the curve in terms of development. But, I, I, man, I watched that kid on film. I, I love him. But uh, I think Wesley Fair is going to be really good. Unfortunately for Wesley Fair, he has two guys in his class named Colby McAllister and Jack Fabris who are going to play significant minutes in this game because uh, they have really erupted early in the process. In fact, the coaches love Jack Fabris so much, they made the decision they should have made with Avery. Let's play him four and shut him down. Um, and, you know, maybe they couldn't afford to do that with Avery in case there's an injury, but they did shut Jack Fabris down. And now the NCAA allows anyone to play in this game without – it impacting their eligibility as long as they're eligible to play this season. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Jack Fabris, according to the depth chart, is going to step in at, at Kobe Savage's position, and I think the coaches are really excited about what he brings to the table. Defensively, of course we know all of the – the changes and you know Kobe Savage out and and just all of the other changes that have happened on that with that unit, is this something that we should maybe temper our expectations a little bit defensively for this particular game, but know that you know next year, more than likely defensively the team will be kind of back where we expect them to be, or do you think that that transition from some of these guys like Kobe Savage into the 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 next man up mentality? can take place right away. They've had enough prep time over the last few weeks. What do you kind of think that we should be, the, the outlook should be, I guess, for the game today on the defensive side of the ball? I expect mistakes. Um, but yeah. let's be honest, we've seen that from the back end of this defense all season long. Um, and one of the guys that made a big part of those mistakes, Will Lee, is gone. Um, you know, they'll, they'll probably go with their, um, you know, next there are two other corners and maybe play a young guy, but I expect mistakes. And I think that, that the coaches expect that as part of the learning process. And that's part of the, the unknown going into this game that 
makes it kind of interesting. You know, how good will these guys be? Will will they be just fumbling and stumbling all over the place and in the wrong position constantly? And, you know, we see kind of a replay of maybe Missouri or, or you know, one of those games when the defense wasn't very good. Um, but I think we're going to see this revolution to these young guys uh, really benefit this defense going forward. I want to back up to the start of the season when Joe Klanderman said, has eight, nine, maybe ten true freshmen that he would trust on the field this season. Um, that's how good the defensive class was uh, that are true freshmen. There are a bunch of guys. They, I think uh, if this is, you know, game plays out they, the way they want to, they're going to sample them throughout the game and, and see what they got. I mean, they're going to have to have defensive end step in for Nate Matlack, and that will be a true freshman. So it's it's just very entertaining. Uh, get out your crystal ball for me, Fitz. Is Connor Riley the right man for the job? Is he going to get this job, you think? I don't know. And here's, here's the thing. Uh, you know, it, for me, it doesn't, unless he's just horrific at calling plays and it's obvious, you know, by halftime, oh, boy. Um, I think Connor being in the press box today instead of on the field with his dudes is a big storyline because I don't think he's going to like it up there. I think he's going to go crazy up there. And I think he's going to realize, I want to have input on play calling. I certainly want to be part of the coordinator uh, title at Kansas State. But I also want to be on the field with my guys. I know some offensive coordinators call plays on the field. I don't think it's wise. Um, But I also think that uh, this impacts who they hire for quarterback coach. Are you just hiring a quarterback coach because Connor Riley's the offensive coordinator? Are you hiring a quarterback coach who's also been an OC and called plays so that he can be in the booth like Colin Klein was? Um, I, it's it's going to be an interesting to see how this plays out today. But um, or, you know, Connor Riley has I've been waiting for this moment. He's called plays in the past, early in his career, but you know this is a pretty big stage. Okay, Fitz. When the dust settles with the game tonight, final score, regardless of what ends up happening. How important is this bowl game, do you think, for this program? Um, you know, it's it's the Pop-Tarts Bowl. It's, you know, changed the name yeah. 40,000 different times. Uh, regardless if they win or lose, where does this rank, I guess from a scale of like 1 to 10, on an importance level for the program, as the program moves forward, is this something that Chris Kleiman has lost sleep over the last couple weeks or so and getting ready for it, or is it, just kind of a, I don't, I don't want to say mediocre, but kind of middle of the road bowl game, bowl experience. You cross it off the list and you move on to next year. Uh, that's a good one, Tommy. I, you know what? I'd probably put a six on it. Uh, and that's okay. up a couple points just based on where the, you know, how the young guys go. Um, either way, it's going to be a benefit to the team to get these guys uh, against a power five opponent, a bowl opponent, it's looking for their 10th win. They're going to be motivated. Um, it's going to be great exposure for all these young guys to, to play at that level throughout an entire contest, not just a few games or a few snaps. And that's Avery included. So it's going to put them ahead of the curve for next year. But um, there's a possibility that they play well and they win and they get a bunch of momentum out of this too, a bunch of feel good. Uh, uh, and if that happens, I think it, you know, it, it elevates the importance of what the bowl game was. But overall, you're right. It's the Pop-Tarts Bowl. 
it is the second bowl in the pecking order for the conference. So, you know, it has been a pretty decent bowl to go to. Um, but, you know, it, this this new environment of bowl games, I, I just I, – I, it just has changed the value of games so much because really they just mean – I don't want to say less, but something different when you've got opt-outs, different quarterbacks, and, and the lineup's changed. It just changes the whole texture of what the games are about. It does, but, I mean, Fitz, it, it, like, what did it mean before, right? Like, this means a ton for different people in a different way for K-State, but, like, I, I, the bowl game outcome has never meant a ton for me as an observer, but, man, for the future of this program, don't you think that it's pretty easy to make a case that this game being played the way it will be played this year versus traditionally, when you would have had a bunch of seniors and their swan song, but the way this will be played will be far more impactful to the future of this program because now these guys have a chance to get out there one time and work on yeah. you know what they learn from this game for an off season. Yeah, it's changed the meaning, but you know I go back to the '93 Copper Bowl and what what a transformational moment in, in Kansas State football that event was. They'd had a great season, and then 40,000 K-State fans show up in Tucson for the game. Um, You know, the Holiday Bowls in those early years were so important to Kansas State. Um, And granted, the Holiday Bowls dropped down the bowl pecking order a little bit, but um, they had a great matchup last night. Uh, You know, you go to the Cotton Bowl with Tennessee, or, or, you know, that 95 Holiday Bowl uh, has a lot of interesting things to it because – Matt Miller got injured in that game, and Brian Kavanaugh was thrown in at quarterback. We didn't really know what Cav was going to be about, and he's now in the Holiday Bowl Hall of Fame. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, a little bit precursor of what's happening here. But bowl games used to really uh, help you climb that ladder uh, to get to where you wanted to go, and not just the next season, but in the future, in case they climbed that ladder perfectly through the bowl ranks. Um, yeah, they tripped a little bit along the way, but. They had some bowl games that really built off of, and bowl games haven't felt that way. This one feels that way, like it could really mean something for next season. I think so, too. I, I think I think it's going to matter. I think we're going to look back at this one way or the other, and it will benefit the program moving forward. Final thing from me, KU fans are riding high right now, loving what the future could bring next year understanding that they could absolutely be in the mix for a Big 12 title, be in the mix for a CFP appearance if that's the case. You think K-State at about 9 o'clock tonight will be feeling the same way? That's a great question. Will they win? You know, I don't know. Um, I think K-State's going to feel that way, win or lose. You know, it may not be tonight. They might, you know, uh, be sipping on a a cold one if they lose and, and not worry about next year, but I think they'll they'll take away from this game any positives, um, and just the experience will help. Uh, but I'm going to be blunt here. I mean, K-State's playing a Power Five program looking for ten wins. Uh, this this is a significant challenge for for any team. Um, and UNLV was a really good football team, but it's you know the Mountain West was down this year. Right. Uh, and right. Uh, I think I think there's some overvaluing of, of beating. UNLV in the guaranteed rate bowl. Um, but I do think K is going to be really good next year. There's no doubt in my mind. 
And, I, you know, I've said it over and over. I'm a Lance Leipold believer. I, I think he's the right guy at the right time, um, at the right place. And we'll see where that carries Kansas. And, and advantage to them being right when he's climbing up that ladder, you got a 12-team playoff. You had Bill Snyder with teams in the top four in the country for, you know, a number of years, at least two or three, that never had access to a playoff or could quite close the gap on the championship game like 98. So the opportunity is there. And this is what I've been saying about the 12-team playoff. This is what changes college football. Is now if a Kansas or Kansas State or Oklahoma State accesses that playoff, you know, three out of five years, two out of three years, it starts to change the perception of your program wildly as opposed to going to the Cotton Bowl and then maybe going to, you know, the, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, whatever it is, you know. Now, if you're in that playoff, you kind of join the club that's been exclusive before and before that two teams. Uh, and I think that's going to be a, a great opportunity for Brett Yormark's Big 12 to build some brands, uh, including Kansas and Kansas State in the football world, by accessing that playoff. We're going to love it. We're, I'm telling you, it, it'll take maybe one year for us to look back and say, what in the hell have we been doing with college football before this? Because this is incredible. It will make so, yep, the seasons so much better all over the country. And I don't care if a team makes it and gets beat by 60 in the first round. Who cares? Nope. Getting in nope. I'm means something. And, and it will mean something throughout the regular season. All right, Fitz, what do you guys have for some game day coverage at GoPowerCat.com? Oh, my gosh. We're so backed up on coverage because of the holiday. And um, uh, I made sure guys had a couple of days off in there. But we've got our pregame podcast up. We've got the Friday walkthrough up. <clears throat> um, we've got my five keys to victory that's going up here, or maybe it went up already. Um, a lot of VIP stuff. We're at 60% off uh, through the through the bowl game, at least, uh, for VIP subscriptions. And I – I just go look at it it's so much. And, of course, tonight, uh, this afternoon, whatever 4.30 is, we're doing the Fitzcast uh, on our YouTube channel. But me and my crew from the PowerCat pregame podcast with quarterly guests talking about the game as it goes. Can't show the game, of course, but uh, hopefully we can get everyone synced up and uh, to try to watch the game together, which is going to be impossible. It's going to be a mess. And that's basically my advertising pitch on it. It's going to be uh, a train wreck, so – uh, but we got some really cool guests. We got Michael Bishop coming in, got Nick Leckie coming in, we got James Gilbert, one of the first transfer portal guys for Chris Kleiman coming in, and then my friend Kelly in Vegas, Kelly Stewart, will come in in the fourth quarter from a bar in Nashville. Yeah, I wish we had a seven second delay for her. Will you have a uh, a nice little uh, glass of bourbon next to you as you're doing your Fitzcast? Uh, you know what? I, I'm usually a guy that tells everyone no drinking, we're working. But all rules are off except for F bombs with the fist cast. Uh, have your, <laughs> I'm, I'm confident Nick Lecky will be drinking. I'm, I've never been more confident than anything that, that Nick Lecky will probably have a bourbon. He might be eating wings while tra- talking. That's, that's on brand for Nick. I will not, uh, because in my current health situation, if I was drinking bourbon, I would take 20 pee breaks in the middle of Fitz cast. Nobody <laughs> wants that. And at some point, I would, it'd be, uh, you know, I'd forget to turn off my microphone when I'm in there, and it could really get interesting. I don't, I don't want. Nobody wants that. No. I, I mean, you could, you could man up and put on a diaper. Well, you know that 
I could run to the doctor's office and have a catheter put in and, you know, maybe not even just run the line across the floor into the bathroom outside my studio. Just put on a diaper. Just put it on. I know. I know. I know. It's, they're not as good as you think they are. They're not as effective. Yeah. I, I have not tried yet. Uh, I'm getting there. It'll no, be soon, I'm sure. I have a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, Fitz. Uh, mental images for the game tonight uh, are are now planted in there. We appreciate it. Yes. GoPowerCat.com. Follow Fitz at Life of Fitz. This is going to be a fun one one way or the other. Uh, we'll be back to, to talk about it next week and then really charge right into Big 12 basketball. It, it, here we go. Like, it's, it's go time. Fun time to be covering sports in the state of Kansas. All right. There's Tim Fitzgerald. Follow him. Go to GoPowerCat.com. Fitz, we'll talk next week. Thank you, boys. All right, Tommy, let's come back. Uh, we'll get into some other topics. I'm sure we'll have a little bit more to say about K-State. Last. We'll give you our official picks um, in that one because it comes, obviously, before we pick games. What day is it? Thursday? Tomorrow. Uh, but we'll we'll get you some predictions on the game. You'll, of course, hear it, by the way. Quick programming note. Coverage from Wildcat Radio Network starts here at 2.30 uh, today and then we'll move uh, Thursday night football over to KNSS to start at 6:30. Just in case there's uh, there there almost certainly will be, of course, with a 4:45 kick. Uh, we'll get more into that in a little bit as well. It's all Brock. It's Caster. We'll be right back with more sports daily. Your phone call is welcome. 869-1240. Sports Daily on 97.5 and 1240. KFH. Wichita's number one sports radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Daily is on KFH.
All right, welcome in, everybody, back to Sports Daily as we make our way through this game day for the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Off to a great uh, start for our bowl season. KU with the big win. K-State trying to follow suit. All I want for post-Christmas is for these two teams to be competing for a Big 12 championship next year. I think that's totally on the table. Um, I, I, I mean, for sure. Uh, so the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Tommy, the class is introduced yesterday. It is so hard for me with football Hall of Fames who like because you, you like the the game changes so much that you can make cases for all of these players. You know, they get in there. Tory Holt finally gets in. I absolutely think he's a Hall of Famer. Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, all three of those receivers feel like Hall of Famers to me. Fred Taylor, a running back, is in there. Um, Devin Hester is a return man. Antonio Gates is finally in there. Uh, Dwight Freeney. There's a ton of guys, and so I, I would take all of them, uh, first of all, for the most part. like I, it's, it's a little different than baseball. And then you look at the, the players who missed the cut. Anquan Bolden. Uh, Tiki Barber, London Fletcher, Eddie George, James Harrison, Robert Mathis, Steve Smith, Ricky Waters, Vince Wilfork, Heinz Ward. Um, I mean, it's it's a crazy list when you think about snubbing football players. I, I Maybe I'm the only one. I have a hard time with football Hall of Famer because I think I, I would take all those guys. But I, I don't know. I don't know how to decipher it with all the different positions that are played and you know, the importance of, like Heinz Ward is a candidate and then I'm going to jump off the page, but you got to remember he, he probably is the best blocker at wide receiver we've ever had right outside of the numbers he put up and that matters. So I don't know. I don't know how you compare it with, with pro football hall of famers, but I, I mean, it's a loaded class. It's nice memory lane for me. And it is different to me than like baseball where it's far more definitive in, in what you need to get in. Yeah, there's not a name that you mentioned that I thought, oh, man, they're not a Hall of Famer. Even the players that didn't get chosen for this year, I mean, there are big-time names on that list. You know, guys like James Harrison, Robert Mathis, and Anquan. And, you know, I remember just the same way that you do, watching those guys play. There, there really – there was no player that stuck out to me in that list that I think couldn't be deserving uh, or you could make a case for to be a Hall of Famer. It is a lot different than baseball. You know, baseball, you can look at the class that is up for voting, and there's a bunch of them on that list that you're like, yeah, that they're not a Hall of Famer. You know, like they, they didn't they didn't do enough. They, the, the stat line didn't really do enough. Their teams didn't really do enough. Uh, they're not Hall of Famers. The, it's a lot harder in football because there are so many more players on a roster and so many more players that can make major impacts for a team over the course of a career in the NFL than in Major League Baseball. So I feel like it's a lot more clear cut in baseball. It's a lot easier to look at players and say, yes, they're a Hall of Famer. No, they're not. Versus the NFL where there are so many different candidates that you could make a really strong case for. I, I agree. And it's going to get harder, too, because the numbers for. Well, you know what's interesting about wide receiver? that You think that the numbers are going to go out of control because of the way the league passes. But the league also spreads the ball around more now than it ever has. So maybe it does even out. But when you just think about, like, the best receivers in the game right now, like, Tyreek Hill's going to be a Hall of Famer, right? Justin oh, Jefferson's sure. going to be a Hall First of ballot. Famer. First Jamar Chase sure. Jamar Chase is probably going to be a Hall of Famer. But you go down even further. Like, Mike Evans is a Hall of Famer, 
right? There's yeah. so I it will be an interesting exercise to see the Hall of Fame evolve a little bit with some of the offensive players uh, over the years. But that that class was announced. It's big. You can go check it. I'm glad Tory Holt's in there. I think Tory Holt's Hall of Famer. Um, other just like little nuggets there. You mentioned the USC situation. I I think this is curious. So what happened last night is. Miller Moss, a redshirt sophomore, set a Holiday Bowl record with six touchdowns against Louisville last night. Now, Holiday Bowls traditionally score tons and tons of points. You've got people calling him the heir apparent and all these things. What does that mean for Will Howard, though, do you think? Where we still haven't seen that announcement. Well, we mentioned it in hour number one. I think part of the reason why we've not gotten an official announcement is that I, I wouldn't be shocked if Will Howard wanted to see how this bowl game played out with Miller Moss as the starting quarterback in the bowl game. And I don't blame Will Howard. I mean, if he's looking at trying to find a new program where he can go in and make an impact, that's been our big sticking point. This entire process for Howard has been what program will he be able to establish himself, be on the national stage, build his NFL draft potential and, you know, and then obviously make quite a bit of money in NIL. It seemed like USC was a really good fit knowing that Caleb Williams is gone and knowing that they had the, the incoming freshman transfer out. Uh, but now that you've got Miller Moss, and I don't know if you can take a one game sample into effect and say that he is the heir apparent after one bowl game, but, man, like it certainly does make it a lot more convoluted a, after that performance last night. I'm going to read you a quote from Lincoln Riley after the game. This is according to Ryan Cartgee, who's a beat writer for the L.A. Times. Asked if Miller Moss won the quarterback job next season with that performance, Lincoln Riley says, shoot, he may have scared off anyone that would want to come here anyway. Right, that's a direct quote from Lincoln Riley. Well, there you I, go. I don't think Will Howard's going to go to USC. Well, so and, there's and a really, lot of chatter that he's— when, going to Ohio State now. like right. I, I think that initial report, I don't know where that came from, and we cautioned you when it came. And it did come from a place that follows all this stuff closely. Yeah. It wasn't some, you know, Joe Schmo. It was a, it was a basically, I think, a blog that follows all these things. I I don't know that he's going there. And, and it's until we see it from Will Howard, I think we just have to go grain of salt on everything. Maybe Ohio State is the spot now, as people are talking about, which would be just fine for Will Howard, obviously. I did I, I did hope he would end up with Lincoln Riley, but I don't think that's going to happen now. Will Howard yeah, can't go and, there. And remember, it wasn't just about the fit for Will Howard. It was also the fit for Lincoln Riley in the situation that Riley is in at USC. You know, an established quarterback to come in uh, to succeed Caleb Williams where a lot of people, you know, have believed, and, and I'm one of them, that Lincoln Riley has underperformed in his time with the Trojans and needing a really high-powered quarterback to come in. And, you know, and I think that was part of the speculation as to why the young guy transferred out of USC and, and isn't going to stay with the program. Uh, so it was a fit for Will Howard at the time. It seemed like a fit for Lincoln Riley at the time. I don't know. It's going to be... Really interesting if it does end up being Moss next season for USC. If this one game is just a fluke, you know, in a bowl game against a Louisville team, or if he is the I guy doubt. that can be Caleb Williams, who is the most touted 
quarterback in the class this year. He couldn't get it done at USC. You know, and I'd never heard of Miller Moss before last night. So, man, that that's definitely a roll of the dice, I think, for Lincoln Riley. Not that Moss can't get it done. The guy threw for six touchdowns last night. But I, that's going to make things really intriguing for USC next season. Caleb Williams definitely, you know, didn't he, – he was still – pretty good all year like you know the the loss against Washington right he completed 78 77 percent of his passes had 300 yards three touchdowns and no picks he threw one interception over his last five games like I, I think he had the bad game against Notre Dame and then everybody wrote him off but he was never really that bad again after that so a couple of, yeah. like it's interesting the perception with USC Caleb Williams was was fine he had 30 touchdown passes Tommy this year and five interceptions and completed almost 70 percent of his passes he was he was good he was he's I, I don't know that my opinion on him has changed all that much USC couldn't play a lick of defense that wears on you Lincoln Riley too underperforming because I think I I I mean I think I agree but they were they finished 11 and three last year. They finished eight and five this year. This was a year where the Pac-12 was really, really good. I think underperformed this year, certainly. Yeah, but I'm not year, sure. Definitely. I'm not sure that in totality. It, I, I think it's way too early. I guess is what I'm saying, and that's not always the case after two years. By the way, with with coaches in college, but I think with him it is because they they play that league was brutal this year. I I'll, let me put it this way. The Pac-12 this year was better than the Big Ten this year. And so, like, him going to the Big Ten with USC doesn't really scare me. The Big Ten outside of Michigan and Ohio State is not that good. Penn State's probably pretty good. And then it's like, bleh. you know, the Pac-12 was better this year. And so I, I think he'll be okay. I think it's too early to say on that. I didn't watch enough Drake May. I'm, look, I'm still taking, I'm taking Caleb Williams if I'm whoever it is that ends up taking the first quarterback. It's strange to me how the perception on him has changed. And I think it started with that Washington, or the, sorry, that Notre Dame game where he was bad. He did not play well in the Notre Dame game. He didn't ever really play poorly in any other game that he played. I, I You know what I mean? Like he was, he was pretty good the rest of the way. And, and over a course of a season, that was, that was his only bad game. And and everybody's yeah, acting yeah. like now he's not going to be what we thought he was. I just everything we thought he was to me, nothing changed that this year. It's from because what we of saw. it's because of major major high expectations. You know, right. you've got an incredible prospect for the pro game in Caleb Williams. You have a high powered coach in Lincoln Riley. You marry the two of them together. All of a sudden, you've got national championship hopes and a team that is ranked and all of you know teams that in the nfl that are tanking for caleb and and all of this and they go seven and five in the regular season now the the game last night capped off a disappointing season for usc it was nice to see them get to that eight win total and give them a little bit of momentum going into next season but man can you imagine if they hadn't won the game you know, they finish the year seven and six. They lose that highly touted prospect in Caleb Williams moving forward. There are questions, I think, legitimately about is Lincoln Riley the right guy to continue coaching the Trojans? And so with the win last night, with the performance that we saw from Miller Moss, sure, I do think that it gives you a little bit of optimism in the future for the program. But 
the one thing I do know about USC is that they're not going to be incredibly patient. You know, you know, so maybe in totality, he needs a little bit more time. But if it doesn't turn around next season, I think that was a reason why we were speculating Will Howard would be a good fit at USC, is that you've got a veteran quarterback who can come in and help that program along. Because if, the, if it doesn't happen next year, man, you know, I could see USC running Lincoln Riley out of town. Yeah, it could it could be it could be next year or the year after. They, they you know, it hasn't been good there for a long time. So you got to compare it to. But think about this with Caleb Williams. This is interesting and it has me thinking just as we're talking about it. I think what's happened is the the quarterbacks so last year we didn't have like a surefire can't miss type prospect, right? You had a discussion among, amongst a bunch of guys. So what I think is happening is like Joe Burrow's final year there at LSU is sort of become this thing that people expect out of those absolute blue chipper NFL guys, right? That's what people expect. But when you like, so Trevor Lawrence was probably at least just off the top of my head, the last like can't miss quarterback prospect, right? The one that we knew for a long time, kind of like Caleb Williams, Trevor Lawrence in his final year at Clemson, had his worst year at Clemson, 24 touchdowns, five interceptions. I don't think we ever started to think about him as not this prospect the same way we are about Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams has had a a better final season at USC than Trevor Lawrence did, but for some reason, and maybe this is a credit to Drake May, I don't know that part of it, but I think people have all of a sudden gone down on Caleb Williams. USC's problems this year were not because of Caleb Williams. And so... I think he's just as much the blue chipper as he ever has been. I think it's a fool's errand trying to say who's a can't-miss NFL prospect. I just don't know that those exist. But I I don't. I, I guess my opinion on him has changed zero this year, good or bad. I, I feel exactly the same way about him now as I did it's, to start it's not. It's not a Caleb Williams question, I don't think. It's a Lincoln Riley question. That's what it has been. No, no, no. It is when you talk about Caleb Williams questions come when you look at mock drafts and everybody's saying now like he's no longer this surefire can't miss. No, top I don't pick agree overall. with that. I, I don't agree with that. I think that if anything, uh the the program let him down a little bit this year. And, and you know, there were a couple of games that he had that I know he would like to forget. Uh, but there were also some games where he balled out. Caleb Williams balled out, and there wasn't that backup with the team around him. That I don't feel like the coaching was through the roof, and that's a knock on Lincoln Riley. Uh, and, and so I don't agree with the notion that because the team finished where they did, that all of a sudden Caleb Williams is not a viable NFL quarterback. I think he absolutely is. Um, but again, that I go that goes back to the conversation about it's kind of like desperation time for USC they've got to turn it around next year because they don't have the blue chipper in Caleb Williams yeah, yeah, next yeah. year they had him last year and they 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 kind of squandered it and it wasn't his fault is my point it was it was right. everything else and so yeah. when we look at it and I'm looking at mock drafts right now that have Drake May ahead of Caleb Williams and I'm, Drake May did not play better than Caleb Williams this year now maybe people think he's a better prospect that's fine but he did not play better than Caleb Williams he runs around just a little bit more I think but like he threw more interceptions. I think fewer touchdowns. North Carolina kind of faltered there. I don't know. I It's going to be interesting. Uh, all of that as a, a weird side road from USC getting a massive performance and us wondering about Will Howard. Uh, where does he go now? 
I got to tell you, my gut says it ain't USC. I'm just, I'm just going to say, I, I don't think it'll be there. I think it'll be somewhere else fun and cool and exciting for us to watch. I am disappointed it won't be with Lincoln Riley, though, uh, with his track record of getting guys to the NFL and, and them being good in the NFL. Let's make our predictions for tonight, Tommy. I, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take the cats. I'm gonna take a minus two and a half. Uh, Forty-seven and a half seems lowish to me. Uh, there's a bunch of defensive starters out in this one too. So I'm gonna take the cats. I'm gonna take the over. What do you think? I'm gonna take Kansas State as well. I think that we're gonna see Avery Johnson break out in a big way throwing the football. But the one prop that I do love, DJ Giddens, his over in the rushing yards, they're going to need to establish the run, I think, to be able to let Avery Johnson get into a rhythm. Uh, you know, pick, taking on a big-time opponent, his very first big bowl game on a national stage, I think they need to establish it with DJ Giddens first. And if he can do that, then it's going to be a good night for the for the Wildcats. So right now his over is at 105 and a half. Um, another interesting one, I think, is Avery Johnson touchdown, which is, you know, even money right now for any time. It's seven to one on the first touchdown. Uh, you know, I love the first. That might touchdown be a good bet. one. That might be you a know good one. I love have to it. Throw he, his eyes, that. his eyes are big. Like there's yeah. that, that's an interesting one, too. There's not a ton of player props out yet. And, and I don't know that there will be, quite frankly. Uh, because because I don't think that, that the lines makers know a whole lot about this. Maybe some more will pop in closer to the game. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's where we're at. Again, a reminder, coverage of the Pop-Tarts Bowl here with us on KFH on the Wildcat Radio Network starts at 2.30 today. And then Thursday night football shifts over to KNSS at 6.30. Another local interest in Thursday night football tonight. Of course, all eyes on Brees Hall coming off just a massive, massive game last week almost had 100 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving last week i think he had 95 of both of those so we'll have our attention there as well we're gonna take our final break we'll tell you what else is on the network today put a bow on this thursday edition of sports daily when we return right after this where can you get the best pizza pasta hoagies and salads pizza john's in derby Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 